This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. And lots of news about EVs today, starting with President Biden's plan to invest $174 billion to boost EV sales and production in the U.S. $100 billion of that goes towards rebates for new EV customers, which is good news to Tesla and GM, who ran out of federal EV tax credits. Another $15 billion goes to building half a million new charging stations. $20 billion is for electric school buses. And another $25 billion is for zero-emission transit vehicles. The final $14 billion will be used for other tax incentives. While Tesla is mad at Germany, it wants to start producing the Model Y at its plant in Berlin in July but it still doesn't have final approval from German authorities to finish the plant, even though it filed its application 16 months ago. And it still doesn't have any idea when it will get the go-ahead. So Tesla shot off a letter to a regional court in Berlin criticizing the delay and calling for the country to cut red tape for projects aimed at fighting climate change. It says the pokey process discourages investments in clean energy projects and infrastructure. And we can see why Tesla is PO'd. It has a commanding lead in EV sales, and it's counting on half a million cars coming out of that plant to keep that lead in Europe. Tesla is also counting on Panasonic to stay in front of everyone else, especially when it comes to next-generation batteries. Panasonic believes it's uniquely qualified to make those cylindrical 4680 battery cells. They're five times larger than the 1865 and 2170 cells that Tesla uses today. So instead of using 5,000 to 8,000 batteries in its EVs, Tesla will be able to use only 500. That means fewer parts are needed in the battery pack, and that cuts cost. But their bigger size also means they're more prone to overheating because it's harder to get the heat out of their core. Tesla is going to make these batteries in-house as well and is talking to other battery companies to make them. But Panasonic says the 4680 batteries are much more difficult to manufacture and that its experience in making 2.5 billion cells a year gives it a leg up on everyone else. Now to General Motors which wants to cut the cost of its batteries to well under $100 per kilowatt hour by 2025. And the key to getting there is by getting rid of as much cobalt, nickel, and liquid electrolyte as it can. Instead, it wants to use silicon and lithium metal and dry processing of the electrodes. Reuters reports it's also exploring solid-state batteries and high-voltage electrolytes. GM is going to build its second battery plant with LG in Tennessee, where it will be making electric vehicles for itself and for Honda. That's the plant in Spring Hill, which is where Saturn got started so many years ago. The world is changing at an ever-increasing pace. No matter what the mode of transportation, there is always the need for an efficient propulsion system. And that's exactly what Borg Warner has been doing since the earliest days of the automotive industry. Automated and autonomous driving are important developments that help make the traffic of the future safer, more efficient, and more comfortable. We are ZF. 
All right, enough EV news for the moment. Let's take a quick trip to the British Isles. Caterham, the iconic British car manufacturer, was just bought out by a Japanese company. VT Holding, which has been importing Caterhams to Japan since 2009, bought the company. VT's CEO said, quote, We will protect and develop the seven to meet the legislative challenges that lie ahead. Caterham currently only sells the 7, and it's only powered by an internal combustion engine. So it sure sounds to us like the 7 is going electric. Despite pandemic shutdowns and chip shortages, Rolls-Royce is enjoying the best sales in its 116-year-old history. In the first quarter, the storied British brand sold 1,380 motor cars, as they call them. That's an all-time record, and its strongest markets are in China, the U.S., and the Asia-Pacific region. Sure must be nice to work in that Rolls-Royce plant. While mass production facilities crank out 60 vehicles an hour, Rolls assembles less than three an hour. And that's a lovely leisurely pace. And now for a touch of performance news, and no surprise here, but Hyundai revealed that the performance version of the Kona, the Kona N, will have mostly the same powertrain setup as the Veloster N. It gets the 2.0-liter turbocharged engine that makes roughly 276 horsepower and is mated to an 8-speed DCT. should also come as little surprise that it does not look like there will be a manual option. But 276 horsepower and a small crossover should be quite fun. Now we're just waiting to see if this will be the first all-wheel drive N model. You know, there's a big push in Europe to make steel and aluminum that is CO2-free. BMW is investing in clean steel. Audi announced that the wheels on the new e-tron GT are made from sustainable aluminum. And now Volvo Trucks will produce the first commercial trucks made from fossil-free steel. It partnered with the Swedish steelmaker SSAB, which produces the steel with renewable energy and hydrogen. Volvo will start making prototype trucks and components with the steel this year. Small series production kicks off in 2022, and it will gradually ramp up to mass production after that. We want to know what drives your testing. OTA, connected car, diagnostics, remote testing, Intrepid Control Systems is here to help you work from anywhere. Intrepid Control Systems, driven by your data. No matter what people label them or think of their looks, minivans will always be the most versatile vehicle for growing families. And anyone that's driven the latest crop will tell you they drive as good, if not better, than most of the SUVs they'd be compared with. That point has really been hammered home with test drives in the Honda Odyssey, Toyota Sienna, and most recently the newly styled Chrysler Pacifica. The van still comes standard with a 287-horsepower, 3.6-liter V6, but our tester featured one of the newest options in the Pacifica lineup, all-wheel drive. And before we go any further, because I'm sure this will come up, the van loses stow-and-go in the second row, but not in the third with all-wheel drive. But even with that extra weight, the engine provides more than enough pull 
to give the driver confidence to move with and around traffic. And it still maintains a smooth ride over the road. And here, this should really help drive the point home. You can hit a clover leaf at 50 miles per hour in a minivan and still feel completely in control in a minivan. It was one of the few times I actually begged for snow with one of our test vehicles. While we didn't get it, we did get one pretty cold day mixed in there, which brought up something we've never encountered before. Our model featured a decorative metal ring around the steering wheel. We suspect it's part of the structure of the wheel because it stays really cold for a long time, even with the steering wheel heater on, long enough that I had to shut the heater off because it was such a weird sensation to have one spot of your hand really hot and another really cold. Although the rest of the interior is so nice, I wonder if comments like this ever get back to the designers. And we had the best of the best that Chrysler has to offer, the Pinnacle model. Those caramel Napa leather seats with perforations and diamond quilted bolsters really grab your eye but it also uses its high quality materials smartly. You'll find them in the common areas where you're always looking, like around the door handles and center screen. And designers use contrast stitching on the doors and dashboard, which sounds somewhat simple, but really helps draw your eyes away from some of the cheaper materials. It's clear Chrysler put a lot of investment into the interior, and in my opinion, the Pacificas is the best in the segment at the moment, but that comes with a cost. Our Chrysler Pacifica Pinnacle with all-wheel drive rang up at nearly $53,500. And quick before we go, join us for AutoLine After Hours this afternoon when John and Gary will be exploring the market for micro-mobility with Matt Brugerman, the CEO of Flux Mopeds, who's our guest for today. John Belt Snyder from Autoblog Green will also be on the show, and it all gets going at 3 p.m. Eastern Time at Autoline.tv or on our YouTube channel. But that's all we've got for today. Thanks for watching. Autoline Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, solutions for your journey, Intrepid Control Systems. Over-the-air engineering, boost your game. Borg Warner, propulsion solutions that support a clean, energy-efficient world. And by ZF. ZF, driving intelligence for software-defined vehicles and transforming next-generation mobility.